It's an icy wind that blows as Arctic air invades the nation this week. The coldest week of the year climatologically is living up to its icy reputation. The cold, it's just an inconvenience for some, but it's dangerous for many. One hardy Minnesota woman survived in frigid temperatures against the odds. She tells us her amazing survival story. And how does the cold affect our bodies? We'll ask one medical expert how to stay healthy during a Minnesota winter. An incredible survival story, and the doctor is in today on Jet Streaming from Minnesota Public Radio. Welcome back, Jet Streamers. I'm Minnesota Public Radio meteorologist Paul Hutner, University of Minnesota weather and climate professor Dr. Mark Seeley, and National Weather Service and Minnesota Public Radio cohort Craig Edwards are here shivering alongside me today. Hi, you guys. Hello, Paul. Layered clothing is in order today, and I've got plenty of it. <laughs> yeah, when they ask the question, is it cold enough for you, darn right it is. <laughs> a- a- absolutely, and we expect this every year, but boy, it still shocks the senses, uh, that's for sure. Hey, plenty of weather news this week. Most of it involves the cold. This massive Arctic outbreak uh, gripping the northern United States. We've seen record lows. International Falls, Minnesota. Yes, the icebox of the nation. 42 below zero on Tuesday. That's a record. 44 below zero at Embarrass. That's a record. Here in the Twin Cities, our low of 18 below Tuesday morning was the coldest temperature in nearly five years. And Mark Seeley, the Arctic air is here. But the duration of this sub-zero air, since we're in kind of a progressive weather pattern, it does not seem like it will be too prolonged. Yeah, and and that's the pattern, isn't it, Paul? I mean, we have had outbreaks in years past uh, where it has not persisted too long, uh, notably uh, 95, 96, 96, 97. uh, uh, And back in January uh, uh, 2005, we had a brief, a very brief spell. So fortunately, they don't last long. Uh, in fact, the rebound effect is highly anticipated. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, and, and it looks as if we may squeak a little January thaw in next week. Some of the medium-range computer models uh, hinting at uh, at least above freezing temperatures. With this snowpack, we'll have to see how warm we can get. Speaking of snow and ice, in this case, Green Bay, Wisconsin, several ice fishermen sent adrift on an ice floe when a passing freighter's waves broke off the chunk of ice they were fishing on. And as the group began to drift away into Green Bay, they called 911 for help. They were rescued by helicopter. Their trucks remained on the ice in hopes the wayward ice sheet would drift back towards shore so they could retrieve the trucks. No word yet if they have gotten those trucks off. Finally, a bit closer to home, a Rogers, Minnesota family is filing a lawsuit against their home builder, for inadequate construction of their home, which collapsed, killing their 10-year-old daughter during a tornado in 2006. Now, this was actually the neighbor's home that the daughter was in. Word here at Minnesota Public Radio is that structural expert Tim Marshall, who has been a guest here on Jet Streaming uh, in the last year, will be an expert witness for the family. And uh, Craig, uh, Tim, among the best in the business to have on your side, yes? Yeah, I've been following this story. Uh, it's been unfolding for a couple of months. And uh, Tim Marshall, of course, is an expert on developing. He was part of the contingency that grouped uh, together to develop the Enhanced Fujita Scale. So he's very familiar with what he's looking at. So he's not only a meteorologist, but he's also got background in engineering. And I believe, Paul, the house is a neighbor's house. I'm not sure if exactly it's the homeowner where the, the uh, young daughter was killed. 
Right. Indeed, it was the neighbor's house. And uh, late word, too, that the family has settled with one of the three firms uh, that the suit names. So uh, we'll be interested to see how this turns out over the next few months. Well, speaking of survival, we have a special guest today here on Jet Streaming, and she will warm your heart. 64-year young Janice Goodger was out walking her daughter's dog in Duluth on December 27th when she slipped in the snow. She couldn't find a way to get herself up again, so she covered up the best she could in the 20-degree chill, and she waited for help. She was stranded outside uh, for hours, and finally when her daughter came home around 9 p.m., she found her. By the time she was rushed to St. Luke's emergency room, her body temperature had plunged to 60 degrees. Doctors slowly warmed her body and then shocked her heart back to a normal rhythm. And miraculously, Janice survived and is here with us today on Jet Streaming. Janice, thank you so much for talking with us. It is so good to talk with you today. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm good, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, our most important question for you today, Janice, okay. is how are you doing? Real good. And, I'm babysitting my grandson. Oh, that's wonderful. Now, how long were you actually in the snow? About, about five hours. And and what were you wearing at the time? Did you have a hat, or were you able to have some scarves or clothing to kind of cover yourself up against the cold? I had two pair of underwear on and a pair of slacks and two pair of underwear on top and a turtleneck. And I didn't have a hat on because it was in the 30s. And I had a real long coat that went past my knees. My word. When you were down in the snow, Janice, may I ask, um, were you out of the wind or were you still exposed to the wind in that low position? I was out of the wind because I was, I was between my car and a snowbank. Uh, was the sun out? It was going down. Ah, Okay. And uh, did, uh, we were wondering, uh, did the dog stay with you? No, the dog I put in the house. This is Craig Edwards. So that the dog disappears or the dog uh, retreats back to the house. Now, you're out there. Was there any other possibility of somebody coming upon you before your daughter got home? No, because it's a kind of a secluded spot here, and I knew nobody would find me in the backyard, so I... I pushed myself to the front yard, and that's where I laid. I was too exhausted to move anymore. Janice, when you were laying there, you know, how did your body react to the cold? Could you feel changes as time went by? I was shivering, and I don't like shivering. (laughs) And then I passed out, so I don't know what happened after that. You know, I've heard several experts say that small decisions can be the difference in survival, do you think you might have done anything that helped save you? Maybe some of the extra clothing, the long coat that you had on, was there something that may have made the difference for you in a positive way? Oh, the long coat I had on and all the underwear I had on kept me warm. I didn't have any frostbite. That's amazing. Now, when when they woke you up in St. Luke's Hospital there in Duluth, Yeah. Uh, did uh, I understand they got your heart going again, and, and I don't know how long it was before you woke up, but what were your first thoughts when you looked in the room around you? Well, I knew I was in St. Luke's Hospital because, because my doctor works for St. Luke's Hospital. And uh, she asked me what month it was. I said December. And then the nurse told me that I was in the emergency room for six hours, but I had all my parts 
<laughs> we are grateful for that. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, this is this is Craig Edwards again. So, I've, I've, am I picturing the story correctly? They they took you into the hospital. You were had a body temperature about sixty degrees. So they gradually sort of defrosted you and then shocked you after a couple of hours while you were unconscious. Yeah, they did. They they took out my blood and warmed my blood and put it back into me, and then put warm blankets on me. And you you were unconscious during all of this, so you're you're going to have to have the doctors help tell this story for uh, Reader's Digest magazine. Is that correct? <laughs> oh, really? Jan- Janice, are are we bothering you a lot, us media types? You know, we're always very respectful when we try to approach a story like this. We just thought your story was so amazing that we really wanted to try and take the opportunity to talk to you. But uh, I suppose the phone's been ringing quite a bit the last few weeks. Oh, I, I I'm not at home. I'm at my daughter's house at the moment. Well, that's good. I, I'm glad you can get some peace there. Janice, uh, I'm curious, what what do you consider your state of health to be? In other words, before this incident happened to you, uh, were, were you in a pretty good state of health? Yes, I was. I got, uh, I got rheumatoid arthritis, but it doesn't have me. <laughs> that's a great attitude. You know, Janice, will, will this experience make you look at winter any differently than it did before? Yeah, I'll I'll still dress warm. And my daughter asked me if if I had a New Year's resolution. I said, I told her, if I can't get that small door open in the garage, I'll just stay here until you come home (laughs) (laughs) when I feed the dog. (laughs) Well, Janice Goodger, we are so happy that you are well today. And thank you for sharing your story with us today on Jet Streaming. Okay. And you have a good day, too. We know cold weather is tough on our cars and our homes, but uh, as we heard from Janice, it also can put a strain on our bodies. Dr. Aaron Burnett of St. Paul's Regions Hospital Emergency Room is here today to tell us what we can do to help kind of ward off winter's chill. Dr. Burnett, welcome to Jet Streaming. Thank you. My pleasure. What are the most common effects from cold weather that we're seeing this time of year in the ER? You know, I think, I think we see two different things coming from the cold weather. We see problems associated with the cold itself, kind of the traditional frostbite and, uh, you know, hypothermia that we, we kind of typically associate with winter. But I think another thing we see that people don't really think of all the time is uh, other conditions that are kind of brought on by what we do in the cold. You know, for instance, I would say every winter we always see a few heart attacks from patients who go out and try to shovel heavy snow when they're not really used to it and they have some underlying medical conditions. And so I think that's something that... Uh, that we see that you might not associate typically with the cold weather, but that certainly causes uh, a lot of people to get into trouble. Uh, this is Mark Seeley, Aaron. Um, I, I wanted to ask, too, because uh, this has happened to me a little bit. What, what about uh, knee joints, back, uh, back, uh, uh, wrists, hands, etc.? I know, uh, you know, in operating in the cold weather, just in terms of snow removal, especially as you age, that uh, can cause some problems with joints, too. 
Sure, and that's something I, I often hear in the emergency department as well. A lot of people do do feel that the cold weather kind of kind of causes their muscles and their joints to stiffen up and sort of lose some of their flexibility. You know, I'm not sure if anyone's ever really looked at that in a, in a scientific method, but I agree that's a, it's a very common complaint. And again, I think a lot of it might have to do with just sort of the activities we're doing in the winter. We're out shoveling snow, we're bending with our hips and our knees and lifting things up that we might not be doing at other times of the year. So I think in those situations, um, you know, trying to kind of loosen up a little bit before you go out, maybe take a few laps up and down the driveway, walk a little bit before you actually start lifting is something that would go a long way to kind of help prevent some of those uh, aches and pains. This is Craig Edwards, and I've me and my friends have seen these people jogging with the temperatures sub-zero, and they've got to wrap on their faces protected. Some of them don't have that protection. I'm just wondering what your advice is to people that like to jog and are very disciplined about getting out there at 6 a.m. because that's when they jog. Do you, do you have a... Uh, uh, something to offer for that, or you just say, well, the, the weather, if they can adapt to it, they're fine? Well, you know, I think that's a great question. You know, exercise is certainly one of the things that uh, is probably the, one of the most important things you can do to stay healthy and live a good, long, productive life. So I encourage people to exercise all through the winter if you can. And like you said, just taking some simple steps and kind of covering exposed skin can go a long way towards protecting you from, from the elements. You know, one of the most common places we see frostbite, and it's often on joggers, is on the ears. If people kind of go out and don't think to wear a hat or to wear something to, to just cover the exposed skin of their hands, their ears, you know, that area is very susceptible to frostbite, especially with the wind chill factors we get right here in town. You know, the negative 20, negative 30 degrees, that can catch up on you really quick. And if you have skin that's just exposed to that wind, that can get you in trouble. So I think covering up that exposed skin is something that can, can help you a lot. But, you know, whatever we can do to encourage people to keep exercising all year round is definitely going to benefit them in the long run. Was there something to the physical exertion that keeps the, the body temperature up? Because I'm watching some of these professional football games and these, these ballplayers are out there with the you know there's their arms not covered and they're they're really not taking much protection from the elements is is there something to the physical exertion that keeps them from having frostbite conditions oh absolutely you know i think you got to remember these guys are at the prime of their life probably some of the healthier individuals we come across uh and what i would say is just the activity they have they have all the padding on and just running around getting your muscles to contract getting your body moving that certainly causes your body to sort of drive up its temperature and that's why we start sweating we start breathing a little harder trying to blow off some of that heat. So I think that's something that they, they might be a little protective in some of these professional athletes. But again, you know, they're, they're at their prime. So uh, they'll certainly be able to stand conditions that, that a lot of the rest of us might not be quite able to take. We're chatting with Dr. Aaron Burnett from Regents Hospital in St. Paul, talking about cold weather and what you can do to protect yourselves. And Aaron, uh, We've had a lot of uh, incidents, shall we say, in the last week or so here. A couple people have actually passed away when caught outside, uh, sleepwalkers, uh, which seems odd to me. Uh, I know we've also had a couple of people rescued as well in different parts of Minnesota that were stranded out and and subject to exposure. What are you seeing specifically in the last uh, week or so with people coming into the ER? You know, this week has been a particularly cold week. I'm sure your listeners can relate to that. And uh, one of the things that we've seen a lot in this last week is, is kind of twofold. I think there's quite a few people, especially some older individuals, some uh, some people who might be on fixed incomes who are trying to trying to cut corners with their budget a little bit, understandably so, but uh, they're turning the heat down a little bit or they're using space heaters, things like that. And, you know, that can certainly get you in a lot of trouble if you have underlying medical problems because when your body has to work hard to keep its temperature up, start shivering, 
doing things like that, it, it takes a lot of energy. And if uh, if you got underlying medical problems, you know, that's energy that your body could be using to, to fight off other things. The other thing I think we've seen uh, more and more commonly is, again, people trying to use space heaters to, uh, to heat their house. And, you know, what I really would emphasize to people is that you really got to keep in carbon monoxide in the back of your mind. You know, that's kind of the silent killer that really, really comes out primarily in winter. And it's an odorless gas that you can't smell. But whenever you have um, a space heater that's burning anything like a propane heater or a small little kerosene heater or anything like that, you got to be real careful because carbon monoxide is something that can sneak up on you and get you in a whole lot of trouble. Dr. Burnett, I, I wondered if you could remind listeners for us, in situations where you are out and perhaps exposed so long, either facially or maybe with your hands, I guess those are two common situations, and you suspect that you might have had a tinge of frostbite or something, but you're going to come in and self-treat, what should you do? You know, that's a good question. Certainly the first thing you can do is get any wet clothing off. A lot of times that'll happen because we'll, we'll have too many layers on for the activities we're doing, and when we the, the patient starts to sweat a little bit, then they stop working out. You know, that, that moisture can build up and can actually freeze and cause a lot of problems. So I think once you recognize that you have some signs of frostbite, and the earliest signs are pain. Um, so pain in your fingers, pain in your feet when you're out hiking or doing any sort of outdoor activity. The first thing to do is just get out of the cold and get that body part starting to warm up again. So in the case of hands and feet, go inside, go to a restaurant, go in your car, turn the heat on, take any wet clothes off, start to warm the area. One excellent way to do that is to put uh, put the area in warm water. Now you want to make sure this water is not scalding or hot because we've seen patients who get burns by trying to warm their hands or their feet too quickly with water that's too hot. So I think the best thing to do is just get the wet clothing off, start to slowly warm the extremity, and certainly touch base with your doctor because a lot of times frostbite can can look pretty pretty benign, pretty not serious initially. And uh, over 12 to 24 hours, you can really start to see the extent of the injury. And it's often much, much worse than it initially looks. Well, Dr. Burnett uh, from Regents Hospital in St. Paul, we thank you uh, for keeping us all a little bit healthier today. Oh, thank you. Stay warm. A little thunder here on jet streaming. Oh, I would love to hear the sound of actual thunder. That, that makes me nice. warm just yeah, hearing it. It does. <laughs> I'm thinking of a tropical downpour at this point. But we like to feature a website of the week every week. And uh, Mark Seeley, let us know what you dug up this week. Well, something from my home institution, Paul, University of Minnesota uh, Academic Health Services has a wonderful website called healthtalk.umn.edu. And under topics there, you'll find things on the treatment of frostbite. You'll also f find things on winter nutrition and uh, how you might want to vary your uh, nutrition a little bit during the winter months. So it's a wonderful resource, healthtalk.umn.edu, to go on and read those resources. And Craig Edwards, uh, on that note, the wind chill factor, the, the formula, of course, changed here within the last uh, two years. We're not quite getting those low wind chill readings, but it sure doesn't seem to matter how it affects people, does it? No, I think the, if you want to say that uh, 20 below 
is the old 40 below because when we used to hear 40 below on a wind chill, that was very dangerous. So 20 below is pretty much relevant to what we used to call 40 below. And, Paul, one thing that we got to remind our listeners is that this wind chill uh, index does not take into account the fact if you're in sunshine. So it's uh, so if you're standing in the sun, you might get a little bonus effect of that, particularly in the late morning and afternoon, although the sun angle is very low. Well, I've heard 20 is the new 40 or 40 is the new 20, but I've never heard 20 below is the new 40 below. Who knows? And we Listener feedback this week, you guys. I got a nice note from David Bourne uh, from the University of Minnesota who says he saw two suns uh, the other day. He says, for those lucky enough to have a good view of the sunrise, there appear to be two suns rising in the east. A rainbow phenomenon is picking up the reflection of the sun, at least from the position of my office on the 15th floor of Moose Tower at the university. Mark, would we be calling this a false sun, refraction of ice crystals? Is that what we're looking at here? Yep, that's a false sun or a mock sun, and uh, very unusual. You do have to have, uh, as we all know, uh, extremely cold air with suspended ice crystals. Um, Any kind of windiness can, can destroy that kind of situation, Paul. So oftentimes early in the morning before the winds pick up at all, uh, is the is the time that you might see that. Uh, that is uh, one bright side, I guess, of the extreme cold. We see some pretty cool optical phenomena, and this is the time of year to see them. Well, Mark and Craig, a good discussion today. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. I'm looking forward to your thought coming on uh, this weekend and into early next week. I am, too. I think 30 above is going to feel a whole lot better than wind chills of 30 below. We're all looking forward to that. That wraps up this week's Jet Streaming. Thanks for listening, everybody. And please tell a weather friend about our little show, will you? For producers P. Ray Rudolph and Jim Bickle and audio engineer Randy R.J. Johnson, I'm Paul Hutner. Remember, keep an ear here on Jet Streaming and keep your weather eye on the sky.